Hey, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today, we have the chance to sit down with artist Jordan Feliz. If you haven't heard of him, you are going to hear of him very soon. Had his first radio single out, went straight to number one for 10 weeks. That never happens. We're going to hear about how that song has changed his career. And we're also going to hear about how his career was not just an overnight success either. He's been grinding it out since he was 13, first time on stage, he was 13 years old. And now he's out touring the world. It's June. He's already played 87 shows this year, so they're they're on track to probably hit close to 200. But he's a great guy. I think you're going to get a ton out of this show. But before we dive in, I just wanted to make you aware August 26th through 28th, anybody who's a producer or a songwriter or an aspiring artist, we're doing a thing called the Music Makers Boot Camp. That's in Franklin, Tennessee. You can go to fullcirclegoeslive.com. That's fullcirclegoeslive.com. This is going to be a small event. It's limited to 30 spots. We're going to be diving into some hands-on training and music production and songwriting Some of the guest coaches include myself, as well as Mia Fields, Matt Hammett of Sanctus Real, Sean Moffitt, who we've had on the show before, a great multi-platinum mix engineer, and X O'Connor, our very own producer, as well as others to be announced. So check that out. That's fullcirclegoeslive.com, Music Makers Boot Camp, August 26th through the 28th. Be there. And let's jump into the interview. Full Circle Music Show here with Jordan Feliz. Hey, man. Thank How's you so going? much. Dude, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be here today. Man, I'm honored to be here with you guys, man. It's yeah. awesome. You've, uh, we were just kind of talking beforehand. You've played something like 87 shows this year so far. Yeah, we're pushing. We're coming up on like number 90 on this next little run. I think we're going to be. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just getting crazy. So and and by the way, we're we're in the month of June. So for those of you guys listening out there, <laughs> that's half the year. So you're you're gonna hit close to 200 shows this year. Man, that's that, that's amazing. We'll see. <laughs> but your stuff, man. If for our listeners out there who haven't heard your stuff, it's it's just blowing up. Your your uh, your singles just going crazy. But uh, a lot of what we talk about on this show and on this podcast is kind of the backstory in the sense that you didn't just wake up one day and have 150 shows on your calendar and have a single at number one. You had a backstory. Yeah. So how did you originally get into music? What was your backstory, you know, all the way back from the beginning? Man, you know, it's kind of funny. I... I started playing piano, actually, in second grade. I started taking piano lessons, and um, it's kind of like that instrument has, like, a lot of rhythm and melody stuff, and so from that, um, I don't know why rhythm was, like, a big thing for me, and so I started building this passion to want to play drums, actually, and so um, I started just teaching myself how to play drums, basically, in my youth band, (laughs) and so started doing that, um, and kind of in the youth band slowly started just learning a little bit about everything, a little bit about guitar, a little bit about bass, bass, probably the very least. But, um, you know, 
just really wanted to play drums though. Never wanted anything to do with singing. Was always more of like an instrument person. And then one Sunday morning, the guy who was going to lead worship for my youth group, he just never showed up. And so my, my youth pastor was just like, Hey man, you know, all the songs get up there and sing them. And I just kind of was like, Oh, that's really funny. You know? And he's like, no, I'm serious. You got to do it because nobody else is going to do it. How old were you? So, um, Oh gosh, I think I was probably 13, probably. Yeah. Yep. So you, you kind of came up doing it in church. Yep. Uh, what was your first concert that you went to? First concert I went to probably the newsboys actually. Oh wow. Um, they had like this tour where they set up this giant, like inflatable dome. (laughs) It's like, it was this ginormous dome. And um, I think that was the first concert I ever went to, actually. Yeah. That's awesome. I do remember that. The Love Liberty Disco Tour. Yes. I went to yeah, that tour as that was well. It. With Sonic dude. Flood. Y- dude, yes. That Beanbag. was totally it. Your Beanbag. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. You know what's funny? Funny Beanbag side story. We ended up staying with Hans over in uh, Brisbane, who's, who's a singer for Beanbag, which That's awesome. I was totally nerding out over because I was so into Beanbag when I was in like <laughs> eighth grade. I was skateboarding and we just listened to Beanbag all the time. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. We bought all the CDs that night. Yeah. So it was like Beanbag, Sonic Flood, Newsboys. That's awesome. Awesome. That's crazy. So you, you started leading worship in, at age 13 for your youth group. And eventually, I, I the, when we met, you were in another band. You yes. kind of had a whole other thing before Jordan Feliz. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so my senior year, um, I had kind of started a like a little garage band thing with my neighbor and two of the other guys that played in my youth band. And um, we were kind of just playing random little coffee house shows. I mean, maybe we might play a show every single month, maybe. And that would be awesome for us, you know, being a high schooler. That was cool. Right around that time, I played this show that was like out in the middle of nowhere in central California in a town called Dinuba. There was a kid there and he wrote me a MySpace message, which might be dating myself a little bit. He was like, man, I saw your band play and my band we really need a singer and we would really like a keyboard player too. And you do both. Would you want to come and like, listen to some of these demos that we've been doing? And I had started this band with a bunch of my best friends and my youth group and all this stuff. And so I was like, Oh no, no, I I definitely don't want to do that. You know? And then I randomly, I mean, I literally just started feeling like the Lord was kind of telling me to go that, go back and, and talk to him. And so I ended up going out and, with my mom actually. And we went out and we listened to some of the demos that they were creating. And it was a band called the current affair. And I just, I just thought it was really cool. I was like, man, this is awesome. It wasn't really like my style of music cause it was super heavy, but, uh, everybody's hearts was about like, we really want to go into a genre that there's not a whole lot of Jesus and we want to be able to talk about Jesus and, and sing about Jesus and scream about Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so that was kind of just, the opening of like being able to play music professionally. So we started doing a lot of shows. We recorded our first album by ourselves in a shed. That's probably about the size of this room. That's and um, Yeah. And just learned how to use pro tools on our own, just kind of rented some stuff. And, you know, a couple of years later it was like, well, this is what we do for a living. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of a crazy thing, but it was awesome to kind of see what the Lord was doing in it, even though, 
like I said, it was never really my passion. What I'm doing now is is kind of the first, I feel like, expression musically that's been true to who I am, you know? That's that's awesome. And when we met, you know, I, I used to be in a band, so you had the band thing going, doing the van, the trailer, playing oh, yeah. all these little tiny club things. Yes. Was it kind of a grind back then when you were doing doing the band? Oh, man, so much of a grind. I mean, it it's awesome, though, because I actually talk about that season of life so much with young musicians and with people because I feel like that's such an important part of becoming an artist is when you kind of know what it's like to grind it out and you really work so hard for something, um, it just you just never take anything for granted when things do start really taking off, you know? And I think the, the work ethic of, of the grind early on in your career, like the, the shows that you don't want to play, the shows where there's five people there, the shows where you literally show up, you drove 12 hours. This is literally real deal. Drove 12 hours to a show and the promoter says, Oh, I thought that was next week. You know what I mean? So there's (laughs) nobody there. That really happened. That really happened. Yeah. And he gave us 20 bucks for gas. So, you know, but those things, they build so much character and perspective for the future. And it teaches you this work ethic so that when you do start, things start rolling, you know, that work ethic is already there. So like, I feel like personally, it's made me want to work even harder as my career has kind of grown. It's like, well, let's start grinding even harder than we were, you know, because it's like you want things to keep moving, you know? Sure. So when you show up, at a at a thing like that, when you show up and you've driven twelve hours to be somewhere, and then you have to turn around and go back home, what is it that kind of keeps you going through that grind? Because is it insanity? Is it <laughs> <laughs> man? A part of it in the moment feels like insanity, but I think it's all. I mean, for me, it's always been the ministry behind my heart, which is just that I feel like like the Lord has put something in a passion for music and a passion for people in my heart. And that's really the thing that keeps me going is just the fact that if the Lord has gifted me with something, then I want to do it to the best of my ability all the time, whether it's, you know, turning around and literally driving back home, you know, but for us, the thing that didn't get us down was instead of moping about it, it was, well, it cost us a thousand dollars round trip to get there. So it's like, well, then we need to sell a hundred CDs over the next two days back home. We're going to stop at every mall and we're going to sell, you know, wait a minute. So you, units, so you're you know? literally going into malls just yes. selling your records. Oh yeah. That's Dude, amazing. On, I've never heard that. Oh before. yeah. <laughs> on off days, man, on off days, we, we would usually set like a goal. Like we would say, we're not leaving, this mall in Irvine, California, until we have sold 200 CDs, which means everybody is responsible for selling 40 CDs today. So put them in a backpack, walk around with an iPod, and that's what we're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Man, so how, how do you even... That just blows my mind. Yeah, like, and I, you know I what's really imagine. funny is we just did that at a festival in California. Like on your ago. stuff now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like you went to a mall? I didn't, but... Uh, my road manager and my guitar player, they stood out at Spear West Coast and just started like, I have like a little travel JBL speaker thing. They had it playing Bluetooth, holding like it up. playing like, your record. We've got CDs right here, 10 bucks, like just 
<laughs> grinding it out, man. And it's funny because like at a lot of festivals, if I go out, you know, it's like I'll end up having to hang with people for so right. long. And, and as a singer, it's almost like it's hard for me because my voice is kind of temperamental. So I have to kind of hang back a lot and not talk too, too much. Sure. Even though I would love to be out there, but they just went out and they're like, we're going to grind it for you. <laughs> so that's I'm like, amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and it works. And it works, man. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of artist that a label wants to work with because they're out <laughs> actually willing and knowing how to do the work and selling records when they're just not selling. So yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So knowing what you know now, if you could kind of think back over your, you know, the current affair days, your your old band days, what is something that you would do differently knowing what you know now and being at the place that you are? I think I would set my expectations lower. Because I think early on in music, you'll start working with something real small. Like maybe it's a promoter or like a manager in your hometown or somebody, you know what I mean? And then they start kind of filling your head with a lot of like promises and they fill your head with stuff. And it's all in good intention, but sometimes artists, you can all of a sudden your expectations start building to, you know, we're going to be in an arena with 10,000 people. You know what I mean? And it's like, but reality is you're playing in a church that, you know, maxes out at 85 people and there's 20 people in the building. You know what I mean? And I think one of the most beautiful things that I actually, I was on the road with Plum with the Big Daddy Weave tour this, this past spring. And she said something that really struck me because I actually feel like I wish I would have heard her say this years ago, but it mm. was just that God is if he is really guiding you down this path that is towards music, he's going to start giving you these little things. And with each little thing, they're going to keep growing, but they're going to grow real small. It's not, it's not going to be like all of a sudden 1% to 5%. It's like 1% to 1.01%. You know what I mean? It's real. It's a slow climb, but with each growing thing, each thing will progressively get bigger it's just going to take a while and he's going to watch you and see if he can trust you with these small things before he throws you, you know, in an arena or in front of, you know, 8,000 people at Spirit West Coast or, you know, whatever. And with that, you kind of learn to rely on him as your source and trust in him as your source as you go through these small changes because you just keep looking up and keep looking to him for, okay, what's next, you know? Yeah. That's good, man. I, I, I wish I would have heard that as well. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of that whole thing of he who is faithful with little will be given much. And yeah. you're at the point now where you know, you're, you're being given very much, but I, I love what you said. It's just little steps. So that's a perfect segue to my next question, which is the, the question that every new artist asks is, how did you get the record deal? Oh, man. My story, I think, is very... Um probably the one thing that I feel like a lot of people say, but it's very true. It was just all faith driven. I I ended up, my manager and I, our bands used to play together. Um, he used to be in a band called Falling Up and A Current Affair had opened some shows for them. And we had kind of just kept in touch for years. And so about five years ago, he called me and was just like, hey, you should come out to Nashville and write some songs. And so I ended up coming out falling in love with Nashville, brought my wife out. She fell in love with it. And then we moved. And, uh, but prior to that move, it was like a lot of prayer. Cause I was, I was at a church working as a worship leader and just 
really being very, very intentional about our prayers and asking the Lord if this is the right thing, you know? Mm. Are we supposed to go? You know, I don't know. It's crazy because me and Jamie, the same day, we're riding our bikes down to our favorite tea place in our hometown in California. And I just felt like the Lord just said, you're going to Nashville. And it's so funny because I was riding my bike and I looked over at Jamie and she goes, did you, did you just feel like the Lord just said, you're going to Nashville? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. How did, Wow. and it was just one of those amazing moments of just like, wow. Okay. Well, that's a confirmation. Yeah. Then two weeks later, man, it's funny because all of a sudden we're going through all these things and I'm trying to book shows because we can't afford to move. And then it's like a couple weeks go by each time and all of a sudden things start happening. And then two weeks before we actually move, everything cancels Mm. all the shows, but we still felt like the Lord told us to go. So we went. And so I literally talk about grind it out. Like I'm calling churches while we're driving. Like I'm calling a church in San Bernardino and we're driving to San Bernardino. And I'm wow. like, do you need a worship leader tonight? Wow. Like, and we booked shows all the way to Nashville like that. It's amazing. Um, and the Lord ended up just providing like in abundance for us. And wow. it, in that, it just taught me that, man, he wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Yeah. I was looking to just cover our gas and he, I actually ended up making money his way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once we got there, I mean, literally day one, we're in downtown Franklin at the Starbucks, me and my buddy, David, he actually plays in a band called Hawk Nelson now, but we yeah. were, we had moved there. He had moved with my wife and I we're walking down the street and some lady just walks up behind us and goes, you guys look like you're in a band. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I moved here to kind of like pursue being a songwriter and an artist. And I'm primarily in Christian music. And she's like, Oh, my husband and I were in a Christian band. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. She was like, yeah, it was called FFH. Did you ever hear of it? I was like, uh, yeah, totally. My mom definitely had all your CDs, so no big deal. Yeah. And her name is Jennifer Dibler. And, and so she ended up basically, I mean, that's day one. And she was like, well, give me your name. I want to check your stuff out. And usually, I mean, you know how it is in Nashville. Right. It's like, if somebody says that, typically that doesn't really happen. It's sure. like, I'll check your stuff out. And then they forget your name and it never happens. Yeah. But a couple months go by and all of a sudden I get an email from Adam saying, Hey, my manager. And he's like, Hey, I just got this email from Centricity and they're like saying that they heard of you by this girl. Her name's Jennifer Dibler. And it's just super random. Wow. And, um, to me, that was just the Lord from day one kind of solidifying, like I'm opening up doors for you. So let's just, just trust me. Like just trust me through this process. And so I think just following the guidelines of where he's kind of taken my path, I think each time I kind of drop the lantern and I forget where I'm at, you know, it's almost like I feel like a three-year-old and he's handing it back to me, like grabbing my hand, like, wow, stop trying to go off on your own. Like here, grab me, we're going, you know? Mm. And so I think each step has just been him opening up the doors. And, and even though, you know, Yes, it did take a lot of songwriting, two years of songwriting to get a record deal in Nashville. Mm. Each thing, I think, was just the Lord opening doors and just continually walking through the doors that he was opening. Mm. That's that's an amazing story. So it's those little tiny things when in the moment you didn't even think that uh, singer from FFH hearing your stuff, she's like, she's, you're probably thinking she's not even going to listen to it. No. But 
you just never know. So that, that's a, such a good encouragement to people listening to this or watching this that you just never know. Yeah. Where that thing is going to come from. You really don't. You really, you really, I mean, seriously, let my life be the testament to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about the importance? Because you've been on both sides. You've been an, an indie artist and now you're a signed artist. Yeah. Can you talk about the importance of having a record deal versus just kind of doing it independently? Because that's a question we get asked all the time. Yeah. I think there is importance in a record label at a specific time in your career. I think people, even me early on, I had this idea that if I just got a record deal, everything would be taken care of. You know, that's really kind of not the way it is. It's label is a super important part of what I do, but it's one of those things where you kind of like get to a certain point and then it's like, now is the time, you know? But I think the thing that the label really does do is it's the best analogy I've ever heard is that when you've got a fire lit, the label pours gas on the fire. Mm. Basically that's what the record label really is. Is there the gasoline for your fire? So you've got to um, have one kind of burning. First. You kind of just, yeah. As long as you can, you've got your, your fire burning, you've got your music and you've mastered your craft. I think that's like a massive thing. There's just like, there's a lot of, uh, people that have kind of lost the mindset of the 10,000 hours rule Mm. of really like working, like dig into who you are as an artist, dig into the songwriting aspect of it, dig into your guitar playing or your piano playing or your drumming or whatever it is, like take that 10,000 hours and do it because that's in that you are worshiping the Lord to the full potential by really digging into the gift that he's given you. Mm. And I think with that, you start this fire and this flame, whether you're a band or an artist, you all of a sudden you've developed this little fire and you've developed the work ethic that it takes to do that. And so once your fire is kind of getting there, then that label comes over and they're like, this is awesome. Let's just dump all the gas on it. It's just going to explode. Because the amazing thing about the label process is that they have so many outlets and sources to get your music onto radio and to get your music into magazines and all kinds of really cool things. But doing that without anybody knowing who you are from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. what I'm saying, I'm not saying anybody knowing who you are from a social media or any, but I'm saying who you are as an artist, like anybody listening to your music and not knowing who you are is basically what I'm saying. That is like such a key point in that label process. So I feel like the label is such an amazing thing. It's a dream come true once it does happen and you have found out who you are and really have that artistic just context and, and confidence in who you are. And then, I mean, it just makes the whole thing really smooth. And I mean, that's been my experience, you know? Well, that's probably the best explanation I've heard yet from anybody of the artist or the indie artist versus label argument discussion or whatever you want to call it. So that that makes tons of sense. It's good. Awesome, dude. So shifting gears a little bit, you're touring 87 days in the first half of the year. How do you stay centered with God in that and in, in all of that? And, and and what is he speaking to you now in this season of craziness? Man, I think it's being very intentional with time with him. 
I think right now, uh, so much time is demanded of me, you know, and whether it be playing shows or being on radio interviews or whatever it is, it's taking the time out in the day to say, I'm blocking off this. And, and some days it's, it's five minutes, you know, some days it's five minutes of really like sitting down and like praying for me. For mm-hmm. me, prayer is probably the biggest thing yeah. in my, because I can just go to him wherever I'm at whether it be in my head or whether it be out loud in a room by myself at a show, whatever it is, that for me is just a big thing. And I hear him more and more, the more I dig into that, like in my heart. And I think, you know, man, I mean, I just got off the road with big daddy weave and their entire tour is just so ministry based. Mm. And I mean, man, I, I miss it, you know, cause we're like a small, we're like a traveling church. I mean, that's how it felt. It was like sure. a traveling church and it was like every day at four o'clock we had church. Basically we got to talk to each other and be the church together, talk mm-hmm. about our struggles, talk about all these things. And so I think that my thing now, I mean, cause now I'm transferring into like being out with my, my band. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I, I I'm really adopting the principle that they've kind of like that I've seen them do is just being able to be the church together. Like there's something really, really powerful about being able to go to somebody, a brother or a sister and say, how you, how are you doing, man? You mm-hmm. doing okay? It's like, no. I mean, some days it's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, you know, there was a day on tour. I mean, it's like my wife, all of a sudden car, the I've, I've left and we have, one car at the moment mm. and the keys are locked in the car and it's like, awesome. <laughs> and she's got to be somewhere in a half an hour. Wow. Baby's screaming. I mean, it's just, and she, baby's not in the car, but you know, it's just yeah. like chaos, you yeah. know, and, and being on the road and being 2000 miles away, it's really hard to try to manage life, yeah. you know, your home. Yeah. And one of the things that I've really learned is that one of the first places the enemy goes is your home especially if you feel real good at where you're at and you're at where you're at with the Lord and, and in your communication with him, at least for me, that's one of the first places I know that the enemy goes. Mm. And I think it's been amazing to pray through that though. And for the Lord to almost like show me like, you know, these are the three things he always does. Yeah. So just, yeah. just pray against that. You know what I mean? And I think it's just, Every day, just making sure that like you are just kind of aligned with the vision that you want your walk mm. to be, you know what I mean? Mm. What you want your life to represent, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite lines in the Bible is like, it's Ephesians 5, 2, and it says, a live a life fulfilled with love. Mm. And for me, it's like, that's what I want my life to represent is love for people, mm. you know, and the love of Jesus for people. Yeah. And so my prayer life really aligns to that. And Mm. I feel like I grow so much from just being able to ask him, like, how do I love better? How do I, you know, pursue you better so I can love better? You know, that's good, man. It's really good. So at this point in your career, what are you afraid of most? (laughs) Man, honestly, failure. (laughs) Failure is this just, it's, it's a fear, you know? And I think that that's one thing that I've honestly been dealing with more and more lately. It's Mm. just been the enemy placing that thought in my mind. And it just fear is such like a weed. It grows so fast, you know, 
and it creates doubt in your life. And I think one of the things that, that for me has just helped me kind of counteract that is just that if I'm truly worshiping him in every day of my life, there is no failure in that. Whether, whether it means that the next 10 singles I release just flop or the next, you know, 10 singles I release are number ones or whatever it, none of it really matters. You know, to me, it's almost like biblically, it's like chasing the wind a little bit. You know what I mean? And, and so for me, that's been one of my big things though, is just failure is like this just shadow, you know, but the moment that you kind of, and, and I'm, I'm still working on it, but the moment that you can shake it, it's almost like there is no failure, you know, especially when you're building the kingdom, because it's like, man, me going out and loving on somebody, you know, and like telling them about Jesus, like that's a win, man. That's a, yeah. that's a win for the kingdom. And yeah. like, it doesn't really matter if your record is selling or your single is doing, you know, charting really high, you know, it's like, even though that stuff is really nice and, and it looks really good, really deep down in the core of what the gospel is, it's, you know. That's good. Yeah. So have you had along the way, uh, any, anybody that's kind of been like a mentor to you along this journey, or has it kind of been more of just figure it out as you go? Oh yeah. My manager, actually, Adam and I have been, he's one of my best friends in the world and we've been friends for almost 10 years. (laughs) He's been through a lot, you know, but I think in this whole process, we've been learning a lot together too. And he's such a good encourager, you know? Mm. And having those people that can be there and kind of be your person that you can run ideas off of and, and you can kind of sift through stuff together, you know, yeah. there's something really beautiful about having that person in your life, especially as you're kind of going through your career and growing and, and, you know, trying to make decisions, you know, it's just, it's amazing to have somebody that can kind of be the person that can kind of flatten stuff out for you. So yeah. it's not so like. Oh, you know yeah. what's happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So having a mentor has been pretty important. Oh man, it's been honestly crucial. Yeah. For me. I mean, especially if you want to stay sane. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just being able to have those people in your life that you can call and say, yeah. bro, I don't know what I'm doing. You yeah. know, I, this, this got offered to me and so did this and so did this. And then this is happening and they're all in the same month. And I don't know, like, I got to say yes to my family though. At some point, you know, there's just so many different variables yeah. in your career in music. And I think yeah. having somebody that you can go to that you completely trust is crucial, man. It really sure. is. So we talked about your label. We talked about your manager a little bit. I'd love to talk about radio because it's somewhere that you're just kicking butt at your your <laughs> first single number one for 10 weeks straight that's just kind of unheard of man. i don't know if you realize that or not but it's 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 incredible it's oh, an amazing man. thing thank you man so can you talk about the power of radio and how it's changed your career if at all man it has changed my career completely i mean talk about a 180 you know i i've been one of the things that I've been saying is is that um, I feel like uh, I built this train and then I got on it and it started going a thousand miles an hour yeah. and I didn't know how to drive it yet. But radio has been an amazing, amazing tool, mm-hmm. man. I mean, it is just something that I feel like the Lord does a lot in too. Just hearing all the stories that have come from the river is just like, it's so humbling for me to be like small piece of a wheel and watching the Lord kind of just 
yeah, I'm. It's like I got a front row seat to it, and that's just been an honor. Yeah. But radio has just been amazing, and you know, this the amount of support that was shown for the song too. I typically as an artist, when you love something, the majority of people don't like it. You hmm. know what I mean? Because at, at least in my eyes, it's like if John Lennon or you know somebody showed you their B sides, it's like, well, this this is this was my favorite. You mm. know what I mean? But the label didn't choose it or whatever. <laughs> well, that was the river for me. It yeah. was like I wrote this song and I'm like, man, this is like my this is my place, man. This is where if I could just make my entire record feel like this, yeah. this is what I would do. Yeah. And then hearing that they're putting it on the radio, I was like, oh no, everybody's gonna hate it and it's gonna be so <laughs> bad. And but then seeing the Lord just be like stop it. You know what I yeah. mean? Watch what I'm going to do right now. You know, and then this, you know, 10 weeks at number one. I mean, that's just, man, wow, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's been amazing, dude. Radio has been so supportive and so great. And I'm really thankful. A lot of artists sort of wrestle with the question of identity and who am I and who am I serving? Is your mission to just continue writing songs for the church and that's your lane? Or do you ever have the desire or the aspiration, if you will, to, to cross over. A lot of people talk about, you know, well, I'm a mainstream artist, I am a Christian, I do mainstream music. Where, where are you at on that? Man, the Lord is kind of opening up some doors in mainstream world, and, you know, I can't really go too deep into it, but I feel like he's kind of cracking a door open, you know? But my heart is still really in Christian music, mainly for my family's sake, man. Like, I love that I can, like, I'll be able to tour and we can wake up and we can be at a church with like people that are going to like just love and take care of my family. And it's not like we're going to show up at a theater where it's just, you know, nobody really cares. You know, it's just, and so for me, there's like a security in that. But if the door swings open, like wide open and he tells me to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to trust him to go. I think it's, it's all just in time. You know, if, if he feels if the Lord really guides me down that path, obviously I'm going to go because every time I try to fight him on anything, it really never ends up going my way anyway. So I think if that did open though, and he was telling me to jump, then I'd jump. Yeah. So your new record, it's done. You've, you've got it finished. When, yeah. When's it coming out? Uh, it actually did come out. Just came out. Yeah. April 20th. That is awesome. Well, congratulations. People can get it on iTunes, everywhere, Spotify, all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk about the process? Because a lot of people are sort of clueless to what actually goes into making a record. And I heard somewhere that you had written over a hundred (laughs) songs for this one record. Yes. A lot of work goes into writing a record. And I, but writing to me is one of my favorite parts of this whole process. And I think it's just because it's such a uh, vulnerable thing, but there's so much learning in it too. You know, like being able to write with specific people, you just learn so much from one session with somebody. It's like, oh my gosh, like even in our right, it's like, well, Seth thought about it like this, you know, and that was just like, wow, that's Mm. amazing. I would have never, that's way outside the box. And I wouldn't have even thought about it like that. So, well, maybe, you know, and then it's like two weeks down the road, you're thinking about what happened two weeks ago with Seth in a room and you're like, well, man, he came at it from this angle and I really liked that. So why Mm -hmm. don't we, this idea would work perfectly like that. You know what I mean? And so there's so much learning in it. 
And I love learning. I just think it's awesome. And songwriting is a constant learning curve. It's always changing, always getting kind of pushed to the limits on certain things lyrically or production wise. And so, man, that has been a super fun process, but it definitely is a lot of work. There's so much stuff that goes into it. And, you know, John Foreman said song is king, you know, and I think that that's something that is, it's an important statement because it's like, man, the moment that you, you realize that you have the songs that are really true to who you are. And for me, one of the things that I really felt like the Lord called me to is to pray over the songs, like Mm. to really pray over them. And when I did, it's almost like he just highlighted them for me. It wasn't like I was making decisions. It was like he was. Yeah. And so that made the process pretty interesting and, and really awesome to kind of see the ones that he wanted. And it's funny because now that it's out and I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'd have it any other way. You know, yeah. it's just really cool to just see that. But it really is. It's a lot of work, but it, it really is a lot of fun. And I think that's key, man. If you can have fun with it, man, creating music is fun. And it can get stressful sometimes. And there can be, you know, some things, you know, that maybe aren't exactly the way that you want it. Mm-hmm. But man, I think we miss a lot of just how much fun it is to be a part of that, you know? Sure. So as we're wrapping up, I want to kind of speak to the industry newbies out there. And a lot of people are just kind of unsure of what, you know, what am I doing? And what are the mistakes that I'm making? What are the things that I can avoid? And being where you're at right now, having the 10-week number one, having new single that's just rocking, having the record that's rocking... Are you doing something different now than you were earlier in your career? Or is it just kind of taking its its path? Man, I think there are a couple things that I've done differently. And one of them is going to sound really cliche and a little a little preachy, but it's just, I mean, man, it's the honest truth. I mean, the moment that you, you realize that when you give things to God, like, the moment that you realize that that is that that's not cheesy, like yeah. that is like what we are called to do, yeah. And the moment that something is birthed out of that, and all of a sudden you see what he's done through that, that is like one of my big things, man. Mm. Like that, if I had a dear younger me letter, you know, yeah. it would be like, stop trying to take control of it, man. Just mm. give it up because he's gonna do so much more with that thing than you ever could on your own. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, man. That's been a huge thing for me. And I mean, honestly, just continuing the work ethic. Yeah. And I know that that I've said it a a bunch, but, you know, I feel like a lot of people, it's almost like things start rolling and then it's like, well, it's it's rolling. So I'm just going to sit back and relax. And it's like, well, actually right now, this is the time when you you better be back there grinding out and chopping wood, man. So your train Mm. keeps going. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so I think for me, it's just giving things to him and, and worshiping him in your work. Hmm, That's good. Well, this has been Jordan Feliz here on the full circle music show. Thank you so much for taking the time today, man. Man, Thank you for having such a fan of you, such a fan of your work. Your record is amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. So honored to be here, man. This is Seth Mosley and you've been listening to the full circle music show, the why of the music biz. If you haven't already make sure you head over to itunes leave us a good rating and a good review that helps us a ton if you're listening to this on podcast form on itunes you can head over to youtube and we're gonna be loading these things on as videos if you're interested in seeing that as well you can just search the full circle academy and it's going to be up there 
So thanks for listening and we will see you next week.